You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam, wa ala rasulullah, wa ala alihi, wa sahbihi, wa man wala. So, on the topic of Ramadan and quarantine and the situation that we're in, uh, I wanted to start by sharing a hadith of the Prophet وسلم, where he walked into the masjid one time and he saw a companion just sitting there. And this was a time in between prayers when the masjid normally would be empty. And so he sees this companion sitting there and it's quite obvious from his body language, from the expression on his face, that something's bothering him, something is is wrong, right? You, you know, when you see someone that's dealing with a particular problem or situation, you can see it on their face that something's clearly bothering this person. So he asks him what the matter is. And this companion, he replies that he's become, he's become overwhelmed and burdened by his financial debt, the amount of money that he owes to people. And so the Prophet وسلم, he taught him a dua. He said, can I teach you something by which Allah will alleviate your debts? And he taught him this dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-hazan wal-ajasi wal-kasal wal-jubani wal-bukhal wa-da'la idaini wa-ghalabat al-rijal. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. I seek your protection from anxiety, sorrow, weakness, and laziness miserliness and cowardice, the burden of debts and from being overpowered by men. And what's what's interesting is that this dua contains a number of different emotions that all end up, you know, someone that's dealt with debt knows that all of those emotions are a consequence of that one problem. When someone is burdened with that one issue, they start to feel all of these different things. And one thing about the situation that we're in with this COVID-19 crisis, with this you know coronavirus pandemic, however we want to label it, but it's an all-encompassing problem. It is a something that causes a lot of stress. And if we look at what that hadith mentions, it mentions anxiety. And we feel anxiety. We're worried about catching the virus. We feel anxiety about not knowing when things are going to end, if they're going to go back to normal, being away from loved ones, being away from friends, being away from our community. The dua, in that dua, he teaches him to, te- to seek refuge from not just anxiety, but sorrow and grief. People are feeling a lot of grief, especially those who are have loved ones or family members that have gotten the virus or even passed away. Weakness. This feeling of weakness also comes when we feel this type of an overwhelming stress because we're not in control. Someone that normally is accustomed to being in control of their situation, now they feel less job security. They feel less safety and security and strength about their business. The dua seeks refuge from laziness. We, you know, when you're dealing with a big problem, you can get into a funk, for lack of a better term. And you, it becomes hard to do things because the stress is so overwhelming. The dua seeks refuge from miserliness, from stinginess. Because when people feel uncertain, when they feel afraid, when they feel anxious, they tend to 
withdraw. And again, and the, that word comes in the dua, cowardice. They shrink. They withdraw. They're afraid of what might happen. So even a person that might normally be generous, they might normally be very giving. Because of the situation that they're in, they might withdraw. They might say, you know, I've got a lot. I don't know what the future holds. I need to now prioritize myself over everything else. And the du'a seeks refuge from the burden of debts and being overpowered by men. And we see this now with people being afraid of perhaps losing their homes, losing their business, or having to lay people off. So there's a lot of there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety. And it's important to recognize that reality and acknowledge that this is the situation that we're in, and a, a lot of people are dealing with this. But one thing that's important about this dua of the Prophet ﷺ is that when he saw this person dealing with this issue, he didn't discount those feelings or discount that struggle, but he recognized the impact of the situation that he was dealing with and the feelings and the emotions that may come along with that problem that that person is dealing with. And he taught the companion both a way to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a way to actually alleviate and solve the situation that he was in by making that dua. So it's it's with that stage, it's with that setting that now we see, inshallah, the blessing of Ramadan coming upon us and may Allah allow us all to, to live to see Ramadan and to benefit from Ramadan. But... This Ramadan now understanding that reality, that this Ramadan is coming in a different setting. We we don't feel that same, we feel a sense of excitement, but it's a different sense of excitement, right? We're missing out on the things that traditionally, a lot of things that would happen at the beginning of the month. Maybe the preparations that we're making are different. The plans that we're making are different. We're thinking a lot about some of the things that we're going to miss. We're going to miss perhaps seeing family members. We're going to miss maybe having iftar with our friends. We're going to miss being in the masjid, praying in congregation, seeing people at the masjid, talking with them. And so there's a lot of things that are going to be different. And with things being different, it presents a different challenge, but it also presents a different focus. And so... You know, there's this concept in sports that you take what the defense is giving you. So if you're a basketball team, for example, that uh, that shoots a lot of three-pointers and the defense is guarding the three-point line, you're going to start going and getting layups. If you're playing football and the defense is tightening down on your running game, you're going to end up passing the ball. So when one thing gets locked down, something else gets opened up. And so with these challenges and with these differences in this month of Ramadan, our focus is almost being shifted a certain way. And we're being told that, okay, all of these other elements might be changing. They might be different. They might not be there this time that you're normally used to. But that means that your focus, your attention, and your energy is going to shift into a different direction. And so the question really becomes, how do we take advantage of the direction that we're being pushed in and how do we use it to our advantage? And in order to do that, there's two very quick disclaimers that I'd like to mention. The first is that one thing that needs to underlie our approach when we're looking at, okay, this Ramadan is going to be different. How do we handle it? One underlying premise has to be 
a sense of optimism in the sense that a believer in their heart, they know that Allah decrees whatever is best for the servant out of his wisdom and out of his mercy and out of his power. And so whatever whatever restraints there are, whatever obstacles there may be, whatever changes there are, there is a wisdom and there is a mercy that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second disclaimer is given the situation that we're in, give yourself a level of grace, have a level of mercy with yourself. And the way that you do that is, is making sure that you're treating this Ramadan differently, not just from your own previous Ramadans, right? It's not going to be an apples to apples comparison. Well, last Ramadan, I did this, this, and this. Therefore, this Ramadan, now I need to do these things. And especially, especially don't compare your Ramadan to anybody else's. And so that's going to be a little bit of a trap because every time we log in online, every time we look at social media, every time you look at Instagram, you're going to see people doing all types of things and you're going to start to feel that your Ramadan is inadequate. And so you have to be very careful about not comparing your Ramadan to anybody else's, but it's more, I'm in the situation that I'm in, how do I now make the most of this month? And the fact that I have that optimism, the fact that I understand that Allah decrees out of his mercy and his wisdom this particular situation Almost by definition, it means that I have the ability, I have the potential to come out on the other side of Ramadan much improved, having raised my iman, having come much closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than I entered the month, and perhaps making even more of a lasting change than I have in previous Ramadans. And so the question becomes then, well, how do we actually implement that? How do we actually accomplish that? And so the the theme that I want to that I want people to think about the theme that I want you to have in mind is a theme of baraka a theme of blessing baraka basically being when something is able to do a lot more because Allah put something into it and so when you have baraka in your wealth your money goes a lot farther right you experience less loss when there's baraka in your time you get more done even in a limited amount of time and so this month, not only is Ramadan a month of Barakah, not only does Ramadan contain the night that is the most blessed night, but it is the month, obviously, in which the most blessed book, the Quran, was revealed. And so how we make this a month of blessing and a month of Barakah, I want to, to direct our focus, direct our attention and our energy to one mindset, one value, and one ritual one way of one overall way of thinking one value that's going to guide us and one action that we focus on and by keeping that limited focus and doubling down on that focus we can make it a month that is full of blessing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the quran i mean i'm sorry tells us about the month of ramadan يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبَلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ O you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed upon those before you so that you may attain taqwa, a consciousness of Allah, being conscious of Allah and acting accordingly. And so this is our mindset. 
our baraka mindset, our mindset that brings us this blessing is this idea of taqwa. And this is the entire purpose of fasting. Taqwa is something that we know. It encompasses all aspects of life, the way that we deal with people, the way that we are in private, so on and so on and so on. Traditionally in Ramadan, our taqwa is excuse me, experienced in multiple facets of life. So we have taqwa while we're at work, while we're out and about, while we're at the store, while we're in our place of business. There's a lot of things going on in our life that we have to exercise taqwa in. One consequence of being quarantined or being in this phase of social distancing is that when we think about taqwa, taqwa now, our taqwa is going to be honed, it's going to be focused in on your taqwa in private, and your taqwa with your family or at home. And so we're getting extra time now, in a sense, to focus on cultivating our sense of taqwa with how we are in our private relationship with Allah. Traditionally in Ramadan, we, you know, the masjid, it's obviously it's a blessing, but we go to the masjid and we're able to pray Isha in a congregation. We're able to pray Tarawih in congregation. We're able to do all of these things and we have that support system. Whereas we know that if we were left alone, we might not be performing at that same level. And so now this Ramadan presents an opportunity, and it is it is a challenge for some people because some people, they thrive on that sense of community. Some people, they might thrive on the sense of being alone or being in isolation. It depends on your, on your personality type. But the mindset of taqwa and looking at where is my time now being focused? All of my time is at home. So I'm with my family and I'm alone by myself. And I need to double down on my taqwa in those aspects. And in the hadith of the famous hadith of Jibril, we know when um, Jibril came and asked the Prophet, وسلم, tell me your religion. He said the religion is the five pillars, your shahada, your prayer, your fasting, your hajj, and your zakat. And then he said, what is ihsan? What is excellence? And he said it is to worship Allah as if you see him, even though obviously you don't see him, but you know that he sees you. And so when we talk about excelling, when we talk about doing better, when we talk about maximizing this month, what it really means is that you're taking this basic concept of taqwa that we're all familiar with, but you're you're executing on that, you're, you're practicing that taqwa at a much higher level. And so you're becoming more and more focused in your worship. The Because now you can't worship in congregation. You're being forced to worship at home. You're doing your extra prayer at home. And so now you're able to gauge for yourself, how much Quran am I going to read? How much am I going to pray? You know, am I watching what I'm saying in terms of the messages that I'm exchanging throughout the day, the people that I'm talking to, all of these things? By being at home, we're getting a little bit of a lens. We're able to magnify our focus on how we practice that sense of taqwa. And the more that we cultivate that sense of taqwa, Allah SWT tells us, And if the people of the towns had believed and had taqwa, certainly we should have opened for them blessings from the heaven and the earth. So this fasting that we do, the fasting that we're doing throughout the day, it should be instilling in us that sense of God consciousness, that Allah is watching us and I should therefore act accordingly. For a lot of people, when they, if they struggle with particular sins, for example, that they commit in the privacy of their own home or they commit sins that no one else knows about, 
now in this time of quarantine is, again, an opportunity to exercise that taqwa and to pay attention to those types of things such that we can unlock and open those blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the mindset that we have to bring blessing into our into this month is the mindset of taqwa, that everything that I do, everything that I'm thinking about all days is framed in the sense of having a taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the second thing is the value. What are we going to value in this month such that it it helps to guide our actions? And that value that we need to have is consistency. So taqwa is a general mindset, but value the value that's driving our action now is going to be consistency. Committing to doing small deeds or committing to doing consistent actions and habits, even if they're small. There's this idea that... In order to become extraordinary, you have to master the ordinary. In order to become extraordinary, you have to master the ordinary. And this holds true in almost anything that we look at. For example, if you ask someone, how do I maintain a car? How do I make sure that my car runs for a really long time, like 200 or 300,000 miles? And they'll tell you that in order to make your car last that long, you have to be relentless about the basics, getting your oil changed on time, getting your car serviced at the appropriate intervals, making sure that you rotate your tires regularly, so on and so on and so on. If you ask a dentist, what is the key to good oral hygiene? It's going to be brush your teeth and floss your teeth twice a day, every single day. And so to excel at something means that you do the basics really, really, really well. Again, to use a sports analogy, If you take baseball, for example, what's the batting average of a Hall of Famer versus an average player, right? A a Hall of Famer might bat 330 or 350. An average player might bat 250. And the difference between the two is that one is a Hall of Famer. They get multi-million dollar endorsement deals. They get all types of extra benefits and fame and recognition and they're superstars and people buy their jerseys and they get shoe endorsements. And the other person is just an average player on the roster. But when you break down the numbers, it's not that the Hall of Famer is, you know, getting all these extra home runs and this and that. It's just that on a weekly basis with the number of games that they play and the number of at-bats that they have, they're hitting the ball a few times more than the other person. They're not doing anything extraordinary, but it's those basics that they're doing. They're just doing them a whole lot better than everybody else. And so when it comes to this, particularly this month, when we have that time, when we have that focus, it should be, what can I commit to consistently? Whether it's my dua, whether it's giving in charity, it's my extra prayer, but whatever it is that I'm doing, I need to make sure that I'm consistent with it. Aisha, she asked the Prophet وسلم, that what is the best deed that I can do? And he said that which is small but consistent. And the, the fascinating thing to me about this particular hadith is that someone like Aisha, we would expect that when she's asking what's the best deed, that the answer for her would be, well, you know, instead of praying a third of the night, pray two thirds of the night. Or, you know, instead of doing this massive good deed that you're already doing, like double it and add more. But someone of that caliber, someone of that status is being told that the best thing that you can do is that which is small, but consistent. 
And we know that when we do something small and consistent, that it brings, again, it brings a certain amount of barakah. It brings a certain amount of blessing. There's the very famous story of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. When, uh, you know, the story goes that he was traveling and he came and he found a masjid and he was going to stay the night. And the caretaker of the masjid said, hey, what do you, what do you think you're doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm a traveler. I'm a guest. I'm here to stay. And he said, no, you can't stay in the masjid. You have to leave. And so he goes, okay, well, he goes outside and he goes, well, what if I just sleep outside the masjid? And the guy says, no, you can't stay here. And so they start going back and forth and it's nighttime. So there's not a lot of visibility. A man with a, a bakery shop, he overhears this commotion. He makes out that there's someone here basically needs a place to stay. So he goes, he says, oh, you're traveling, you need a place to stay, come to my house. So Imam Ahmed says, okay. So Imam Ahmed goes to this baker's house and, and this man, as he's doing basic hospitality, he's laying out a place for him to sleep. He's preparing some food, making sure that he's taken care of. And Imam Ahmed says that I noticed that this man is constantly making istighfar. He's just constantly asking Allah for forgiveness. And so he goes, the next morning I asked him, I said, you know, you're constantly making istighfar. You must have noticed some type of benefit as a result of doing this, otherwise you wouldn't keep doing it. And he says, yes. He goes, actually, I've noticed that the more that I do this, all the things that I make dua for, one way or another, they get answered. He goes, except for one. And so naturally he says, well, which one? He goes, I've been making dua that I one day I get to meet this great scholar, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. And he says that your dua was answered even if I had to be dragged into your house for it to be answered. But the idea being that what this man did that created so much blessing and barakah in his life was he was focused in on this one small good deed. So even as he was doing his household chores, right? He's laying up, making a place for him to sleep. He's preparing food for him. He's, he's doing these general hospitality type of things. But while he's doing them, he's locked in on this very small, very easy to do deed that he does consistently over and over and over again. And so we find a lot of blessing from doing something like that. Now, one thing that I, I want to mention, one thing that I want to you know, say that we should be or, or take a warning of is not to confuse motion for action. And this is an especially pertinent warning in, in this month when we're quarantined. Because one thing that's going to happen as a result of us being quarantined in Ramadan is we're going to have a lot of motion. And so what I mean by motion is this, is that you're going to turn, take out your phone and you're going to see one Islamic person post, you know, something motivational. You're going to see someone else going live and you're going to watch their live broadcast for two or three minutes. Someone's going to send you something on WhatsApp and you're going to forward to two or three other groups. You're going to see this cool thing on Facebook and you're going to reshare it. You're going to scroll through Twitter. You're going to see this, you know, Islamic quote. You're going to retweet that quote. You're going to see someone post something cool on Instagram. You're going to, you know, like that post on Instagram. You're going to be doing a lot of things that feel religious, that feel that you're you're doing something. And so it's going to feel like you're accomplishing something, right? That I've been very busy. I've been you know, sharing these Islamic things. I've been talking about these Islamic things. I've been forwarding these Islamic messages. And so it's going to end up feeling like you did a lot. But when in, in reality, 
you may not have done any of the actual actions that you need to be doing, whether it be du'a, whether it be giving charity, whether it be extra prayer, whether it be sitting and contemplating or reading Quran. So be very careful about, because again, because we're going to be cut off from people, the phone is going to be that much more tempting. And so we're going to consume a lot of content. And if we're not careful if we're not careful, we might just end up scrolling through tons of content, not actually processing it. And then when we're done, we're going to feel like, hey, I did a lot. Now it's time to take a break. So don't confuse motion for action. Make sure that your actions are locked in and that they're consistent. Now, the last thing that I wanted to, to focus on in this, this theme, this month of blessing the mindset of taqwa, the value of making sure that we're consistently acting, even if it's small. Now, the third thing is the ritual. What, what action items should we actually be focusing on? Where should we direct this extra energy, this extra time? You know, the, the, again, there's a trade-off, right? We, we're trading off less time in the masjid. We're trading off less time with family, less time with friends. Where do we make up? What's what's the other end of that trade-off? And the other end of that trade-off is one word, and that is Quran, and that is it. And that should be where we put all of that time and all of that energy. The Quran is the biggest source of barakah that we have. Excuse me. Reading the Quran, every single letter we get blessings. The more that we recite it, the more blessing that we get. And so what does Quran look like in this month? And so it depends. It depends on what your relationship with the Quran is now and how you're going to increase that in this month. And so it's going to be different for different people. So for example, if you can't read the Quran, right? You don't know how to read the Arabic script. Then maybe your connection with the Quran this month is reading the translation cover to cover, and then maybe doing your best to take a class that's available online and learning how to read, right? If you know how to read, you already know how to read the Arabic script, I would say that at a minimum, at a minimum, your goal should be to complete the recitation of the Quran cover to cover in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, because he used to recite the Quran once uh, during Ramadan to the angel Jibreel. And so at a minimum, find a way to complete that recitation cover to cover. And especially if you've spent the year more or less disconnected from the Quran, where you're not reading it on a daily basis, where maybe you haven't completed a khatam of the Quran since last Ramadan. So if that is your current situation, then make sure that you make it a goal to at least complete a full recitation cover to cover. Now, if you're someone that says, well, I recite the Quran once a month as a general habit, that's my relationship with the Quran. Well, then find a way to double down or triple down on that commitment. And so if you already recite it every month, then maybe this month you double down, recite it twice. If you want to, if you're if you have the capacity and you have already a track record of doing more, then maybe you can read it once a week. But whatever your current relationship with the Quran is, this is that place to now focus 
that energy. Again, mastering those basics, being consistent, put as much energy as you can into increasing that recitation of Quran. Now, beyond that, find a way to listen to a recitation of Quran, especially if you struggle to read. Finish listening to one recitation cover to cover. And then again, best case scenario, maybe you do both. Maybe you're reading once and listening once. If you want to go a step further, and again, I want you to see how we're building on. What I don't want to do is to get diverted. Don't divert your extra time and attention to, well, this month I'm going to learn Arabic, or this month I'm going to sit and study at tafsir or doing or doing something else. But focus on how you can better that relationship with the Quran because this is the time that you're not going to get back. Because again, we have that trade-off. You have that ability to worship in solitude and it is the month of Quran. So find a way to double and triple down. Take the next step and memorize. Find a way to maybe reestablish that habit of memorizing the Quran. Or memorize something that is of special significance that carries an extra blessing. So for example, if you have not yet memorized Surah Mulk, this is a great opportunity to memorize Surah Mulk because this is something that the Prophet said that it protects a person from the punishment in the grave. It's something that we're encouraged to recite, to read every night. If, if memorizing Surah Mulk is overwhelming, if because maybe you haven't memorized in a long time or you only have memorized short surahs, and so you're not, you don't have that muscle of knowing how to memorize Quran. Well, then focus on something easier, maybe memorize the last two ayat of Surah Baqarah. Something, again, that we're encouraged to recite every night. If you've memorized maybe a couple of juz, you have a little bit of that memorization muscle, then maybe this becomes the month in which you memorize Surah Al-Kahf, something that we're encouraged to recite every Friday. And so whatever your current situation is take take into account your current relationship with the quran and then find a way how can i now increase that relationship how can i double or triple or quadruple my relationship with the quran and again the biggest trap is going to be don't let yourself get distracted this is not the month to take out the the seer book or those books that you bought in English explaining certain surah, those things are all great and they're all valuable. But this, again, when we want to go with the theme of that month of barakah, get the barakah of just your recitation of the Quran, increase your companionship with the Quran, be someone that's attached to the Quran, reading it as much as possible, reciting it as much as possible, memorizing if you can, doing all of these things. And in that way, we captured the barakah of this month, the barakah of the month of Ramadan. And so even though we're quarantined, even though we have different challenges, we remember that this month, although it's a different challenge, it gives us a different area of focus. And we want to make sure that we maximize that area of focus by having that mindset of cultivating taqwa, the true purpose of fasting, having that value of making sure that whatever we do, we're consistent in it and focusing our ritual, the action that we do onto our relationship with the Quran. So I hope inshallah that 
this advice is beneficial, this advice is useful in terms of making sure that we can make the most of this Ramadan with this new and different situation that we are in. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.